Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, April 19th. Coming up, we'll hear from Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas on the city's search for a new police chief. Plus, millions of people have fled from Ukraine since Russia invaded in February. Some Ukrainians in Missouri have played a central role in getting their loved ones out. I was calling and contacting just random people and trying to arrange their their evacuation. We have the story of two Ukrainians who managed to escape and unite with their son in the St. Louis suburbs. But first, some headlines. A North Carolina-based biotech company is planning to build a $650 million manufacturing facility in Kansas. Jim McLean reports Governor Laura Kelly and company officials made the announcement yesterday in Manhattan. Scorpion Biological Services will build a 500,000-square-foot plant in Pottawatomie County near Manhattan and Kansas State University. About 500 people will work there manufacturing vaccines and therapeutic drugs researched and tested in other facilities. Jeff Wolf, the CEO of Scorpion's parent company, says the new plant is part of a system designed to speed the development of drugs in response to rapidly emerging biological threats like COVID-19. The pandemic woke us up to the problem that the development of new drugs is tremendously encumbered, slow, and expensive. The company is still negotiating taxpayer incentives for the project. An analysis of records shows police are not accurately tracking how much money they seize in Kansas. Blaze Mesa of the Kansas News Service reports some amounts were off by $50,000 or more. Police can take items of value, like money, cars, or real estate, in ongoing investigations. They report the value of that seized property to the state. An analysis by the Kansas Reflector found that two dozen agencies were not in compliance with state guidelines, yet none were listed as non-compliant by the state. Police say requirements for reporting keep changing, or they're hard to follow, which could lead to the discrepancy. The state approved changes that require police to file receipts detailing the value of the property they seized. It also requires that property be given back if no charges are filed. With Kansas City Police Chief Rick Smith set to depart this Friday, Mayor Quentin Lucas is looking for a replacement. Lucas spoke with KCUR's Steve Kraske on Up to Date about the search for a new chief and a legacy of racism in the police department. Here's part of their conversation. You serve on the board of police commissioners that will pick a new chief. What's the timetable for that process and when will a new chief be on the job? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think this is in any way something that needs to be rushed. This is not the sort of thing where we need to say, let's just find the the next guy or gal in line at KCPD. I expect it to be a national search, something where we're trying to find somebody who can make a difference here. And I'll just say this briefly. We we have seen in other American cities, New York City went from 2,400 homicides or so in 1990 to being at about 450 today, despite a spike in violent crime right now. This can be done. This consistent problem in Kansas City is not something we have to continue to live with. Hey, given what you said about the need for a national search, Mayor, is it time to bring an outsider into this job? I certainly think it's time to evaluate it seriously. 
for years now, Kansas City has had internal chiefs. I think part of it was because I was here. We had an outsider in the 70s. Everybody thought it went poorly. But you know what? It's about 50 years ago. Right. Perhaps it's time to say, how can we have creative solutions to these issues? Because I'll tell you, Steve, and your listeners are probably tired too. Steve, we have this conversation every few months. And they're That's important right. conversations. But I think people want to see, all right, what are we doing that maybe isn't even that transformatively different, but it's just better? and how we implement strategies in fighting violent crime. How important is it that the new chief be a person of color? I think it is important that the new chief not necessarily be a person of color or from any demographic background, but they sure as heck know how to talk to people from every background. I think a frustration that I heard expressed by one of my council colleagues, Raina Park Shaw, and I absolutely understood it, was frustration. We had a budget battle last year, and the chief of police and a lot of the command staff were able to show up in the Northland at a community meeting. The other day, the chief talked in South Kansas City, and a whole bunch of people in many situations have said, why can't you be on the east side of Kansas City in more situations? Why don't we see you in the inner city in more spots? And so to me, it's kind of, will you show up? where a lot of our incidents are occurring, where there's a lot of stress, where there's a lot of pain from violent crime. He noted how many of the homicides are not just in the Kansas City School District, but really around kind of Northeast Middle School and High School in that area, in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. We need somebody who is there day in and day out and is speaking to a community and in some ways isn't just going to the areas where they're most popular. But part of being a mayor or a police chief is that you go to the communities that need you, that are hurting. And that's what I expect from the next police chief, whatever the background is. It was interesting to me that members of the clergy uh, held a news conference in recent days, Mayor, calling for the Board of Police Commissioners to hire a chief who will fight racism both inside and outside the department. In light of the Kansas City Star's recent investigative piece on all this, I'm guessing that criteria has to be pretty close to the top of the list, isn't it? It needs to be. I mean, it it does need to be. You cannot see on the record current police officers in a piece like the Kansas City Star ran, which was a good one, and, and say, oh, well, this isn't that much of a problem, or we'll just hope the other way, or as the Board of Police Commissioners has done to our disservice, not have a comment at all. Uh, I am quoted in the piece. I wish the board would speak to it, too. And this is, you know, I'm not going to get into politics necessarily of state control versus local control. But this is why so many Kansas Cityans crowd and say this isn't working. I mean, this is this is not good for our officers. It's Hmm. not good for Kansas City. and It's not good for safety long term to have in some ways the lack of trust that you see build up in series like this one continue to fester in Kansas City. You know, the clergy, as you know, wants to see the Justice Department investigate the Department for Racism. Do you support that call? And do you know if, in fact, the Department of Justice has launched that investigation? I know the Department of Justice has not launched that investigation anew. Uh, I, I, I wonder if that's what we need. I think a lot of those investigations typically require us to hire a pretty expensive monitor that tells us a bunch of things we already know. I think we already know that we need to be more responsive to needs in certain communities of Kansas City. We already know that we need to continue to recruit, hire, and importantly, promote officers of color, more women, folks from different backgrounds, and that we need to make sure that we are spending more time listening to community concerns. Activists are not folks and groups that officers in our department should be scared of in mass. Our communications unit should be engaged actively with those voices and talking to them about how we can do better. 
I think that's what the best departments around the country are doing right now. And I think it's fair to say that Kansas City has great improvement to do. And I think we know that today without having the attorney general come in and tell us. Let me turn to a slightly different question about the police. Does the department have enough officers, Mayor? Because we have roughly 1,200 down from our peak of 1,500. The Star reports that by comparison, Omaha, which is about the same size as Kansas City, has a third fewer officers, about 900. Another similarly sized city, Minneapolis, has 770 officers. What do you think? I think that's I think it's a fair question as to how we are doing our staffing. I'll give a, a quick example, and I'll, I'll look to New York once again. We saw that tragic subway shooting the other day that came a month or so after Mayor Adams out there had increased the number of officers in the subways. It shows that it isn't just a pure numbers issue. I am one who subscribes to the view that Kansas City Police Department needs more officers, but I am not one who necessarily thinks that if we had a thousand more officers tomorrow, the city would magically be safer because the data just has not borne that out. Right. right? Count, uh, Chief Smith mentioned the fact that he had more officers when he started, but we were still pretty violent back then. It's not mm-hmm. like this is you know all new for us. And so I think it is how we deploy our officers, how they are engaged in the neighborhoods, and how you're actually staffing. And I, I do think when you look to cities like Omaha, frankly, when you look to almost any city our size, then we're, we have a lot of officers. We're particularly command staff heavy. And how we're allocating those officers, deploying them in the community is more the point than just getting more bodies in the streets immediately. Are you going to uh, seek to reverse the chief's uh, decision on closing that missing persons cold case unit? Well, I think the the department has backtracked since the chief made that uh, surprising to me announcement, which I saw on the local news that night rather than in a board discussion, Mm -hmm. which was incredibly frustrating. Uh, And so I I think to the extent the department's already backtracked, that answers some of my concern. But I will absolutely continue to fight and make sure in my one vote out of five on the board of police commissioners that we continue to be dedicated to missing persons cases and cold cases, which I thought it was cruel to announce it in the way it was. You have hundreds of Kansas Cityans who are relatives of crime victims to suggest that we are de-emphasizing our focus there just because I think, and I do think the chief was trying to make a political point to say, ah, council hasn't given me what I want. This is the result of those bad guys over there. Uh, I think was was frustrating. It was sad. It's confusing to Kansas Cityans. And I think it's a sign of, of changes that we'll need to make as we start under acting Chief Maven in a week. That was Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas and KCUR's Steve Kraske. You can hear their full conversation at kcur.org. More than 4.6 million Ukrainians have left their homes since the Russian military invaded almost two months ago. Many are in refugee camps or other living arrangements in Western European countries, but some have made it to the United States and Missouri. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt has the story of a couple who fled Ukraine to reunite with their son in St. Charles, near St. Louis. On a quiet cul-de-sac tucked behind the St. Charles Convention Center, a Ukrainian flag flutters outside one of the houses. The blue and yellow hues help the home stand out from its neighbors. Inside, we meet Volodymyr Zrybniak and his family. This is my parents. My name is Victor. Volodymyr and his wife have lived in the area since 2011, but his parents, Viktor and Svetlana, have only been there about a month. They never expected they would need to leave Kharkiv, Ukraine, their home of 40 years. Viktor and Svetlana were like many Ukrainians and didn't think Russia would actually invade. 
Но где-то я в душе ну, не хотел верить то, что Россия... Deep in my heart, I did not want to believe that Russia would attack, because Russia had given assurances of fraternal help, but it all turned out to be a hoax. это все оказалось обманом. He says they did prepare, stocking extra food and medicine, but hoped the war wouldn't affect them. Then shelling started to hit Kharkiv, which is less than an hour from the Russian border. Victor says he and his wife were unable to leave their home on the seventh floor because the elevators in their building were disabled. We were terrified of each attack, realizing that the next shelling could hit our house. There were several houses nearby that had already been destroyed. In the early days of the invasion, Viktor and Svetlana stayed in close contact with their son Volodymyr, who worked with his sister to find any way to help their parents escape. I've never experienced such situations before when I was calling and contacting just random people and trying to arrange their, their evacuation. A way out of the country eventually materialized in early March. Volodymyr says he called his parents with the news and told them they had an hour to pack. They grabbed essentials like documents and medicine and left mostly everything else behind. It was very difficult for us to decide to escape from here because everything is there. Our life we lived, everything there, we left as it is. On their way out of Kharkiv, Victor says they saw the aftermath from Russia's attack, burned out cars and destroyed homes. But he says the most difficult part of the journey were the many military checkpoints they passed through on their journey west. Documents were checked very carefully, and this, of course, slowed down our movement and introduced some nervousness because armed people were inspecting our documents it took four days to traverse from Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine to the western border with Hungary. That's about the same distance as St. Louis to Washington, D.C. Victor says a weight lifted when they finally crossed the border. We had saved our lives, escaped from the shelling. We had already begun to think about what lies ahead. It was no longer fear. It was hope. Four days later, they arrived in Frankfurt to fly to Chicago, where their son would be waiting. Volodymyr says he barely slept coordinating his parents' eight-day journey out of Ukraine because of the eight-hour time difference. Never wish anyone to experience this. It's, it's mentally draining. You want to be there and to do something physically, but you, you simply cannot be there. While he's relieved his parents are under his roof now, Volodymyr says they still face challenges. He says their travel visa will expire in a matter of months, likely before it'll be safe to return to Ukraine. I don't want to come to the point where I need to make a decision if I'm a rule follower or I am for the safety of my parents. As a naturalized U.S. citizen, Volodymyr says he was encouraged when President Biden announced the U.S. would accept 100,000 refugees. He says he's frustrated now because it appears little has changed since the announcement. We have a saying that if you said something, do it, or better, don't say this. Volodymyr says his next priority is getting his two siblings and their families to the U.S. from the German refugee camps they're staying at right now. He adds most of the other Ukrainian families in St. Louis are in the same situation, either housing family members who managed to escape or waiting for a way to get them here. I'm Eric Schmid. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean.
This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Eric's story about Ukrainian refugees in Missouri, visit kcur.org, where you can find more local and regional news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.